Welcome. Welcome to being an artist is fucking killing me. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> Fully killing me today. <laughs> I am in a state. Yeah, uh, yeah. Today. What happened? Why? What's I'm going just, on? I'm just tired, guys. I'm beat. Mm. It's fine. Being what? busy is a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag booked and blessed. <laughs> <laughs> and blessed. Oh, some other time we need to have a conversation on this podcast about how much I hate the hashtag booked and blessed. (laughs) It is, it's a humble brag if I've ever seen one. Like, isn't it? It's such a humble brag. Yeah. Anyway, talk for a different day. Okay. What are we talking about today, Corinne? Okay. So today we're here with actor, actress, Lindsay Francisco. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast is great because I think it's the first time we have someone on that is flirting with the idea that they are done. Mm-hmm. Done with their with their art. Yeah. Which is something super important and something Yeah, it brought up like a lot of great questions and a lot a lot of great conversation topics. And it felt a lot more like a discussion than an interview, this one. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we talk about it a little bit more in the podcast, but we talk about the idea that you should be self-aware that if it's not making you happy anymore, you need to make a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to reevaluate if, if this is if being, if your art is making you happy and if it's not, then it's no shame, but definitely yeah. I think once a year we need to reevaluate if this is still what we want to do. Totally. And don't feel bad because you've spent X amount of time doing it. Yeah. It's okay to change careers yeah 10 years in five years in 15 years in right I don't think we live in a generation anymore where you're at the same company doing the same thing for 25 years and then they retire and they hand you a watch no I don't think we should feel weird about wanting to switch and change and grow and head in totally new directions right what's also nice about this um is we talk about joe jobs yeah which yes. results in hilarity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm super excited about it. Cool. Awesome. Let's get started. Francisco? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I just like a sexy last name. <laughs> <Ooh>! <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's not your show name. That's your actual That's my name. name. Yeah. Lindsay Francisco. That's why I was like, why would I change it? It's already pretty sweet. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like you're like... A hot girl in a Bond movie with that name. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, if you haven't figured it out already, yeah. everyone, we're here with my good friend, Lindsay Francisco. <laughs> she is an actress. Yes. And we met when we were both working at this terrible restaurant last <laughs> what summer. What restaurant was it? Oh, are we uh, going to name yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> in Yorkville. <laughs> Fuck them. We have uh, no filters on this show anymore. No. It was awful in the sense that it was just a terrible work environment. It was like a terrible, like, human experience, I would say. Yeah. Like, seeing the dredges of humanity. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so weird to work somewhere where the customers just think they're so much better than you in every way, shape, or form, and you get treated like it on a daily basis. Yeah. If you would describe the customers, how would you describe them? Besides Ooh. that, like... What's your typical, typical guest that would walk into? Oh God! Besides Justin Bieber, but <laughs> that kind of. Oh, did we it did we have that happen one time? Bieber? Maybe. Oh, it was my first shift. Oh, weird. But I was not training, and I was on the patio, and Justin Bieber sat in my section. Ha! Huh. I somehow missed out on that. It was weird. I'm cool with missing out on that. I shouldn't say my section. Our like our section as like a team on the patio. Oh, weird. So I was like. Huh. Walked by him a bunch, and then everybody was like freaking out. And there's like teeny boppers on the streets, like taking pictures. I was like, "This is weird." Yeah, it's like, why? How is this like real life? Yeah, yeah, it was you know, weird for me. I feel like most of the time it was okay though. It was just the Saturday and Sunday brunch people that were really hard to deal with mm. because everybody wanted like their really fancy almond milk latte with extra steamed foam on the side, and like. Can I make up my own omelet sort of thing? Yeah. 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 I love going to brunch. I never would ever want to be a server in a brunch place ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I'm going to avoid that specifically for the future. Forever. Not my favorite thing. 
<laughs> anyway, you guys met at one. Yes, yes. We met at one. Yeah. Uh, we worked there for probably six months together. Yeah, I think it was about that half a year. For we both decided it wasn't for us anymore. I mean, like it was kind of decided for me, but <laughs> that's true. They did they did lay off all the summer staff. Yeah, that's true. For the most part, barring a few. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they whatever. <laughs> uh, whatever. Doesn't matter. Over it. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Not resentful at all. No, actually not really. I'm like so paranoid that somebody would actually hear this. <laughs> Who cares? I don't know. What are they going to do? Not hire us? <laughs> true. Also, true. like, I really don't think like our demographic is like stuffy old restaurant owners. So I think like we're all good. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think looking for us. Yeah. <laughs> true. 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 Just come searching. This is true. Um, Besides, the restaurant itself was fine. Yeah. Excellent kitchen team. Sure. Pretty good staff. Just some terrible clientele. Yeah. <laughs> and in an area of town that I never really want to work again. Really? Yeah. I Just because it's like, because it's known for being that way. Yeah. Right? It's so known for being like... like that idea. Yeah. yeah. Unless the Oxley wanted to hire me. <laughs> the Oxley was hiring. <laughs> I know they didn't look at my resume. Oh. <laughs> Oh no, it's fine. That's weird, Jameson. I'm just gonna keep real quiet. I love working for you, Jameson. You're amazing. Please transfer me to the Oxley. Uh, that is all I have to say. Probably better money there, eh? I mean, I make pretty good money right now. It's fine. It's consistent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Enough about Joe Jobs. Yeah. Uh, so you. Caught the acting bug, Lindsay, when you were young. I did. I don't really know when the moment was because I, I feel like, I think every kid says they want to be an actor too, right? That's the thing. Every kid's like, I want to be an actor or like a princess <laughs> or something like that. Because you see something like revered and loved and you're like, I want to be that. Um, Interesting. But I don't know. I guess kids play act all the time and then when that transitions into doing stage stuff when you're a kid there's like kind of no line between it mm. like I guess I did my first play when I was five at this place called the Huron County Playhouse I was in the Wizard of Oz and I was just one of the kids and did I get to play the pretty ballerina girls at the beginning that do like the little tutu and the flower dance no I was one of the um I don't even know what you call them anymore the lollipop guild. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was with two other boys, yeah, and I had to wear like a uh, yellow lollipop guild. <laughs> and they put a bald cap on my head, <laughs> which is every five-year-old's dream. Yeah. <laughs> but they had to use this sticky gum stuff in it, um, and it got caught so many times that they ended up cutting my hair. I think my mom did, so it was really short because it wow. just uh, it got really gross. All the stuff. So yeah. I don't think it probably looked very good anyway, putting this weird plastic covering on a child's head to make her look bald. Like, I don't think that it looked like a bald Lollipop Guild member either. So I don't really know what they were Are the Lollipop forward, members bald in the movie? I think they have a little sprig of hair on the top of their head, like alfalfa sort of thing. Yeah. Do you... It's weird. Have you ever had short hair since then? Uh, yes, <laughs> but it didn't look great, and it reminded me of how I looked like when I was a kid, and I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> it's just not me. It's just not my style. No. So you caught the acting bug then? Yes, yes. Um, Did you do more productions throughout elementary school and junior high and high school? I must have done, like, I think I must have done Christmas plays and stuff like that, um, Somehow it was still always around. I can't really think of anything because then we moved when I was in grade two. So that always like kind of throws a loop into things. But then when I was in grade four, so I, I was living in Cortland at the time, this small town, and London, Ontario was shooting this film. Um, it was called Secret Shade. And it was about these, uh, like this cultist group of young girls who all wear pink dresses and like play with skipping ropes, but they like drown kittens and. I was going to say, like, a young Handmaid's Tale, but then you said that. <laughs> no, not, a, not at all. But, like, bully the new girls into doing things. Eventually, they bully the one girl into, like, climbing this tree to get this robin's egg, and she falls down, and she dies. And that's, like, the majority of the film. 
Um, cool. But yeah, I landed that <laughs> when I was nine. And I really loved the experience of being on set. Um, I just thought it was like a great community. You know, you're there all day. Um, I, I loved that and I liked being a part of it. Like I remember I was helping them carry things at the end of the day and you know, I'm like this nine-year-old kid like carrying sound boxes and shit like that. Helping um, crew. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there was one person who said something and who even knows if I made this up in my head or not, but um, I was helping out at the end of the day and one of the persons there, the persons, said, um, well, you know, if she doesn't become an actor, she'll be crew for sure. And I remember that and I held on to that phrase forever. And I never did become crew, did I? <laughs> <laughs> but I still have a whole lifetime in front of me, so you never know. <laughs> um, so let's jump ahead to school. Yes. Yes. So, so, you, so um, you got into, correct me if I'm wrong, but you got into York, yes. had scholarships. Yes. Decided not to go. Yes. So York University, this was after high school. I didn't actually do a lot of theater or anything in high school because I was so self-conscious. I couldn't even imagine doing a play in front of people. Like, I didn't think anybody would take it, nobody would take it seriously there. This is my mindset. It was just kind of the geeky thing that you did, and it wasn't, like, professional quality, so I didn't want to do it. I was also, like, yeah, super self-conscious teenager, didn't really want to expose myself that way in front of my peers. Right. So I just kind of avoided doing theater and that stuff until then. So that's probably why I didn't accept York University, because... York's first year was general, and then after that, you have to audition to get into the actual acting portion in second year, and that scared the crap out of me. I was so afraid that I wouldn't get into it, and then what would I do then that I went to Queens instead? Even would you have been in the same year as Anne Mur Annie Murphy, who's on Schitt's Creek? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? She went to York for oh. the theater program. Oh, very possible. I don't know. Um, even though you had a whole year. Yeah. Before those auditions, yeah. you were already so worried about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because well, you could have in general, you could have taken acting classes, right? Like, hopefully, there would have been, like, way, avenues for you to prepare. Yeah. I don't think that I felt, I guess, empowered enough at the time to be able to do that because I hadn't done anything for so long acting-wise. It was kind of this thing that I wanted to do, but I... Perhaps I didn't feel that I deserved not having practiced the craft for a long time. Um, and I didn't even think of the fact that for a year I could be practicing. I was just, all I could think of is what happens if I audition for second year and I don't get into it, what do I do then? Because to me, just having that start of that and not being able to follow through with it was just not going to work. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, it was a, I'm pretty sure I was pretty anxious about it <laughs> this discussion. I think that my anxiousness is not a current thing. I think it's an all-my-life thing. So <laughs> <laughs> it, was not, uh, it was not an easy time for me. Um, so I went to Queens, and I think I even knew then that I had made the wrong decision because I was never really happy there. What were I, you taking at Queens? So I was taking their drama program. Okay. Yeah, which was very, very general. Um, it would have specified more, it would have got more specific in second and third and fourth year. But I think I really wanted to be somewhere where I was in more of a studio environment um, because there was a lot of sort of theater history and general arts. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with the program at all. I, I know several people who took it and people that I would have been in the same year with who are now successfully acting. So that's not the issue. It just wasn't what I wanted to do, really. What was the idea that you had in your mind that you wanted to do that Queens wasn't giving for you? I wanted an environment where I was really going to immerse myself in the craft. Like instead of, I wanted something that was going to be hard on me. Like conservatory um, style hard. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because Queens was really welcoming and you had that opportunity to like make your own things and really branch out. And it was a pretty safe space, um, which is great. But for some reason, I craved an environment where they would bash me over the head with my mistakes and <laughs> right. put me through the fire, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, which has its own pluses and negatives. So from there, I made the decision to leave Queens, which is kind of funny because if I just went to York and did a year there, it would have been the same thing. Um, 
would have still only done a year. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, ended up living with my mom for a little bit of time in London, Ontario. Uh, did a bunch of community theater so that I would feel good about the auditions. And then um, I did a bunch of auditions terribly. And finally, for my last audition, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go in there and not try to do anything. I'm just going to be myself and be honest. And I did, and that's the only one I got into. <laughs> it was George Brown. Because <laughs> I remember getting the, the letter in the mail, and my mom was like, here you go. Because she thought it was, it was such a thin little letter, she thought it was a denial for sure. And then I got was it. Was it like in a regular envelope? Like, yeah, just a regular envelope. Not enough full 8 by 11? Just a little thin <laughs> piece of paper folded up, you know. Hey, guess what? You're in. I was like, oh my god. Sweet. When they still did like paper acceptances. Yeah, I guess they don't do that anymore. That happened to my sister, and she threw out her AMDA letter, her acceptance letter to AMDA. <laughs> and then she was like, eh, I'm going to just make sure. And then <laughs> went digging in the trash what? and, like, found it, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I got in there, and then from there on, it was three years of intense conservatory-style training. Um, very intense program. The second year being the hardest because we were there Monday to Saturday and I think we'd get there at 8.30 in the morning and leave at... And there were like breaks in between, but leave at 9.30 or 10 at night and you couldn't really have a job or anything on the side. It was an intense program. There's actually a lot of controversy about it now. I probably don't want to get into it too much, but... Because that's where... Is that the director who's... No, that's not him. Well... Is it? There was a lot of controversy at the time about people just feeling uncomfortable with one of the acting directors. Yeah. Um, and he's since, I don't know if he left of his own accord or if they made him leave, uh, he's gone because it was a very old school style of like, this is how you come across on stage. And if you don't like it, too fucking bad because I'm not here to coddle you. So it was very old school, um, which I kind of in a way... Liked, That's like what you were looking for almost, eh? It was no bullshit, yeah. you know? Um, I think there were how did times that compassion definitely could have been a thing, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I mean, like, how did you deal, like, being an anxious person in that environment? Not very well. <laughs> Not very well at all. Um, it's kind of a, an ongoing narrative for me that I would just think... If I just work harder and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse, this will be better. And for art of any kind, I think that's just death because you don't like bash it over the head until it's like this automatic thing that you can just do robotically the same every time, right? Each moment is different and creative and alive. I'm sure you understand that as dancers. So yeah. there wasn't really much. There was a lot of craft to what I was doing. Like I was crafting a thing. But there was no authenticity and no life. It was like wearing a straight jacket, I suppose. But the funny thing is, like, they saw it. They knew. Um, and the more I got this feedback of, like, this is not where your work is supposed to be, the harder I would try until finally I had a couple of breakthrough moments um, where I was just like, fuck it. Fuck. This is obviously not working. I hate this. I'll just... I've already done the work, just let it go. And I would have a few breakthrough performances that were like, great, and they're fully alive, and I was like really integrated with the moment. And I mean, that's what you want when you're in that zone. Right. Um, that flow. Yeah. yeah. But I was never really able to find that consistently. I knew I could get it here and there, but I didn't leave. I left theater school proud of myself and my growth, but I didn't leave with a sense of trust in myself that I could do this again I don't know if anybody feels like that out of school yeah <laughs> you know yeah I didn't it's true <laughs> Rainy's just shaking her head fuck that shit yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know if anybody feels like that after school so you're definitely not alone yes well um, and it's so weird graduating from school because it's like you've just been in this intense environment where you were practicing the thing that you love endlessly and now, all of a sudden, you're just going out into the world. Nobody's going to hold your hand or show you what to do. There's, like, a whole world out there. What the fuck do I do now? Also, there's this, like, weird idea of when you're in university, you've, like, paid your tuition, you've paid everything. You just go to class. You just go, and you learn, and you take class every day, mm -hmm. and you just go. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially when you're in something that you're being marked very clearly on something while you're there. So like acting, dance, um, you know, music. Yeah. You just go and you get better. And then you like come into the outside world and you wake up and you're like, I could go to class today. Or I could I don't feel like it. (laughs) Why am I trying to stress? I spent four years doing this. I I need a break. I'm exhausted. (laughs) And then, and then slowly you're just like, I haven't taken class in two fucking months. Like what's wrong with me? Like I need to get back in. I haven't even put on fucking shoes. Yeah. Or I've done nothing but drink. Yeah, there's there's no pressure. There's a very weird, you know, yeah. year to 18 months to whenever you figure it out between you realizing that there needs to be more motivation. Ah, see, it's interesting that you say that. Because I actually felt like there was more pressure after I was out of school. Because when I was in school, I didn't have a choice about my life. Everything was decided for me, where I had to be, what time, what I was going to do. Didn't have to choose, like, monologues. Didn't have to really create anything it was already like very structured right whereas when I came out of school I had no idea what to do next there were things about the acting process that I didn't particularly like I never liked finding monologues and rehearsing them I never liked looking over some scripts there were just some things that I didn't really enjoy and to just go out into the world and be like, well, what do I do next acting-wise? I, I had no idea what to do because, especially even holding a serving gig, I didn't even know how people would find the time to do, like, four rehearsals a week and then do a theater show and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, still an ongoing struggle, I think, yeah. is just balancing those two lifestyles. Yeah. Balancing that life. Finding balance between, like, things that fuel you creatively, being able to pay your rent, Mm. and then, you know, the rest of your life, like, yeah, friends and family and sleep and... And other interests, too. I felt like if I was supposed to pursue an acting career, I had to put everything into it and everything else was on the side. So I think that might be why I kind of like up and left for New Zealand for a year because I thought, God, when am I going to travel then if I'm supposed to do this right. acting thing with all of my time? Right. So did you, you didn't act at all when you were in New Zealand? No. Didn't audition for anything? I actually did. I, I was working at, so firstly I was working in the Bay of Islands and I was working at this little restaurant and I thought, why don't I just like send out to some agents in Auckland just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, they tell neighbors over there. that's what every famous Australian comes from so well I was like hey you never know do you need if you need like a young woman with a Canadian or North American accent I'm here hey I'm here for a year I've got a working visa you can hire me but uh I didn't really get any response from that I don't think that that was really a thing that they needed so (laughs) right I don't think that that was something that was necessary but then I did audition for um this musical number when I was working at a ski, a mountain resort sort of thing um, on the South Island. I auditioned and they wanted to give me the part that I wanted and then I declined because I was so worried that I would screw up my acting technique or something like that. I don't even know what it was at the time. I was just so stressed about it. I don't know. I didn't even have, I don't know, I loved New Zealand, but even then I was stressed about the idea of coming back to North America to pursue this thing that stressed me out. Isn't that so weird? Mm -hmm. Like, it was supposed to be the thing that I loved, but I often associated so much anxiety with it. And do you still feel that way? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes and no. Like, over the years, I'd say it's softened a bit. The The more I reject it, ironically, the better I feel feel about it because I think the thing for me with acting particularly was that I always felt I had to be a certain way or a certain thing in order to get the role or be a certain person that I was not and so it always has felt for me like reaching and striving for something that is a better version of myself right as opposed to this is who I am. What I've got right now. 
Yeah. That's interesting. That's, I think, also super relatable for a lot of people because I think as young kids, whatever your pursuit is, it's like this really unattainable thing Mm. in your mind, right? And it's not like you're given the steps to like, well, you might be given the steps to get there, but no one tells you that like, that can, that thing can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Right. It's not up here on a pedestal. Yeah. It can be whatever you want to be. Right. And so like you're constantly reaching for something that feels just out of your grasp. Yes. Right. Pretty much what it feels like, I would say. Yeah. And I never really found, I, I mean, ideally I would have left theater school with a sense of this is my voice and this is who I am. I wouldn't say I really found that. And so the pursuit of acting has often felt like, oh, this role is this person, so I have to make sure I act this way. And there wasn't really a discovery process or like um, an actual, you know, this is how I get through this. There was no exploration or, um, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. I just didn't feel very empowered as an actor, to be honest. I never felt like I had control over my life because I was constantly sending out these audition things. And then on the side, I'm working this restaurant gig that stresses me the fuck out and exhausts me. And I'm not getting positive energy coming back from the other side as well. Right. Putting out these feelers. Did it feel like you, what you were putting into it wasn't coming back to you? Yeah, I would say so. And I think that's why I really, like, I I would go through spurts through the years because I I have been working in restaurants ever since. So I would take classes and I would really enjoy it and then I would hate it and then I'd go back and then I'd hate it and then I'd go back. And then I'd do all the other things that I thought I was supposed to do. Like I'd record a voice demo reel and do all these other things. But then always get that moment of frustration when it's like, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but I'm not getting anything back from it. And like, yeah. Yeah, it's a really weird space to be in, too. Especially if you don't feel empowered in your art. That's the thing. Right. Right. Because really, I never had that drive that some people do to, like, create their own things and make their own things. It's a discipline. Yeah. But I think it's really funny because I certainly had that when I was a kid. And, like, you know, when you're a kid, you're just writing stories all the time and, like, chapters of books and stupid shit. You don't care. You're just doing it because you want to do it and because it develops something within you. Mm-hmm. But I totally lost my mojo. <laughs> to put it in a... And <laughs> easy like to understand. To put it like Austin Powers would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't know. It's it's different when you come to this huge city and... I guess it's pretty easy to get lost in it a little bit. Yeah. It. Yeah, I, I would... Yeah. It's really easy to hide... In a city of six million people. Definitely. Definitely. And it's easy to, like, psych yourself down for it if you have anxiety or if not. <laughs> I mean, I can't count the number of, like, additions or classes I've, like, woken up, gotten ready for, and then just, like, convinced myself not to go for one way or another. Isn't that weird? Like, you just... Well, especially if you go to a lot and then you don't get them and then you're just like, what's the point? So tiring. You're just like, yeah. I worked late last night. I don't want to get out of my fucking bed. There's two feet of snow outside. There's also a difference between that and just like... Like, some people would be like, well, that's just... You're just being lazy. It's not lazy. There's like a serious issue with like, clearly you don't think something in you is telling you. Yeah. Yeah. That's not laziness. That's not laziness. It's something is happening and it's making you feel a certain way. And that's what anxiety, that's what stress, that's what like depression is, what all those things are. You just like can't can't do it sometimes yeah and also I had to kind of learn to listen to that voice sometimes too Mm -hmm. because it got to the point where I had done a few free films trying to build up this demo reel sort of thing and I think the first time that I really abandoned everything was last summer at because we were working these crazy long shifts like starting sometimes at 8 a.m finishing at 6 um, if you worked a double, you worked, what, like a 14-hour day? Without a break, because you would be on the patio and it would be yeah. too busy to take a break. Yeah, and just... And the and the evening servers would come in and they'd be like, I just got here, I shouldn't be doing any work. And you're like, well, I've been here since 8 a.m. and I haven't eaten, I haven't peed. Yeah. So get on the floor, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just, there was no way I could balance that in the pursuit of anything else. No, I don't, I don't know how I survived last summer. But the weird thing is, there was also a relief with that. Because finally, for the first time, I didn't have that feeling of something hanging over my head, of something I was supposed to be doing on the side. Mm -hmm. Of like, okay, I just did this job all day. You know, most people just work an eight or a nine hour day, and then their day, you know, ends. They're, you know, they're finished their job for the day, unless, you know, they have some sort of white collar career, in which case their day is probably just as long. However, you're not thinking about two jobs at the same time, you know? Like, I just felt like my energy couldn't handle all of those things. That's a huge issue with artists. I talk about that with Ginger all the time is you don't just like, yeah, sorry, my sister Ginger, you don't just go to work, you do your work for six hours, and you're done, and you get to go home and relax. And you get to not think about it. And not think about it. You're self-sufficient most of the time as an artist. Yeah. If you go home and don't think about it, you're not going to work, or you're not going to have anything to do. Yeah. And you're going to spiral. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then also finding the time between those days where you work huge on your art and your work, you have to find times to relax and step back and think like, I don't need to work for 14 hours a day. I can take, I can take a day to myself, but a lot of artists don't think that they think they just yeah. go, 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 burn yourself out. Yeah. Run away for six months. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then try to come back and be like, I'm here. Yeah. Well, and even if you're not doing something per se, if you've got that anxious brain and you're constantly thinking, I should be doing this, I should be doing this, I have to do this, I'm yeah. burnt out before I even get to the point where I'm doing something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's already done. Yeah. So. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a weird space to be in, I suppose. But also because I'm, you know, I've been working in restaurants for a long time, but certainly I've been on an eight-year stint now in Toronto. It got to the point where I kind of was like, okay, I'm doing the same thing year after year, kind of pursuing acting here and there. But like, what about all those things that other people do, like taking trips overseas and like seeing the world and like, you know, instead of putting down 500 bucks for six weeks of acting class, what if I like buy myself some really cool shoes? Yeah. cool jacket because like I worked so hard for my money mm-hmm. like what happened to the part where you know I'm young I'm a young woman in the city <laughs> what happened to that <laughs> <laughs> instead I'm just do you feel like you're just like an old woman or do you feel like you're withered away what do you mean by that <laughs> I don't know I guess I just feel like there was supposed to be a lot more it's supposed you to be a lot more like exuberant. you drinking martinis at cocktail bars, finding Mr. Big. Like, I don't know what you're asking for. No, no, just, um, I wanted to start spending my money on fun things and things that were utterly unnecessary. Right. Things that, like, just because why not? Just, yeah. Just for, like, purely pleasure's sake. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think, um, and again, this is a problem with how I think, obviously, is just, with feeling like there was always this obligation to get this other stuff done on the side, along with that came restriction on things that I could spend money on. Like, yeah. To be, and I mean, there had to be somewhere in between. There has to be an in between. <laughs> She's but, praying for an in between. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just how my brain works with it. So, I think- I think it's important to recognize that you're probably not the only one that thinks like that. Right. Please don't feel alone in those crazy feelings because you're not. Let me say, when me and Corinne hit it big, which we will, (laughs) we're going to go out and we're going to buy matching bedazzled gal pal boots and we don't give a fuck if we only wear them once. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Because we can. Okay. That's what that's what my goal is. I just want to be able to buy a pair of bedazzled Louboutin gal pal boots that I will oh only God. wear once. Where do these boots? I don't care. What, are, what do these boots even look like? Are they pink? No, they're yes. cow. They're cowgirl. They're bedazzled. Right? Are they cow with? They're cowgirl. They're cowgirl boots. I feel like a knee sure. high cowboy a bedazzled and pink. That's but Louis Vuitton, I don't know if he makes that. I mean, if we paid him enough, he'd probably make it. We'll, we'll have, have the money. You're gonna have that. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, Whew, good luck with that. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> just to be self-sufficient would be great. <laughs> self, yeah. Self-sufficient. 
hardest things about one though is seeing all these people wearing these beautiful things and gorgeous outfits and like you know when a woman walks by with these like slick pair of black heels and they've got that red underneath those what is it Manolo those are Louboutins those are, oh those no. are Louboutins no 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 not, not, not Louis Vuitton Louboutin Louboutin yeah, yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> Water red bottom they shoes, really good. as Cardi B would say. Red bottom shoes. <laughs> the fancy shoes. Yeah. I just, um, there was it's a part of me that was like, envious? am I missing out on something? It's also very weird to feel like, uh, to see class difference in front of you like that. Yes. It's, there's something weird about that where you don't think about it until you see it every day. Yeah. You're like, wow, these people are wealthy yes <laughs> and not like just like oh i can afford a home and a car yeah. and my life is i mean like okay very fucking wealthy yeah like i can go and spend 900 dollars on a bottle of wine and not bat an eye yeah yeah i mean three times a week <laughs> the huge statement for me is always when people roll in with like the weird louis vuitton duffel bag the one that, that like, everybody has that you, they I use it as like a gym yes. bag and i'm like i don't you just think what? Why did you buy that? <laughs> and I'm in like my ripped jean jacket and like Blundstones and looking pale AF. Like it's not, it's bad. But the thing is, you probably have this chill as fuck vibe but that they can never have. And they're probably jealous. Thanks, Thanks for making me feel that way. <laughs> you never know though. You never know. It's true. We're just like commenting from the outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's also weird. Like I think one of the first things that I thought was just how the people weren't any different just because you have a lot of money. I mean, you know this, but when you see it, it's different. They're literally not any different. There are people there that I would not think are rich and they are rich. And then there's people there that have a lot of money and wear these beautiful things, but I don't necessarily feel like they can fill it out because they don't have any character. Right. Um, and I don't mean that in a critical way because I certainly, I actually grew to not resent the people when I was working there. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I don't want to be that person. Right. <clears throat> Did you ever want to be that person? To be like, have a lot of money and. No, I mean, things? I don't want to be that person that's resentful just because you don't have something. Yeah, and because they have a lot of money and. I don't want to resent the fact that I'm working there and working for them because. I mean, they're human beings, too, when you come down to it, in fancy trappings. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't know, maybe just as an... Maybe it was my acting training. Maybe it's just who I want to be. I always find myself wondering how this other person lives and what they come from. And, like... Because when you get down to it, we're all just sad, lonely little creatures, I think. Right. <laughs> we desire human connection. But when I see somebody, you know, with pumped up lips or trying to become something else or somebody who's rude or doesn't acknowledge or see me, I kind of wonder what happens in their life. Like, when do they ever felt feel seen or acknowledged for really who they are? Are they ever truly comfortable? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're constantly trying to get the newest piece of technology or fashion or change your face, like, right. when's the point that you get to be you. Mm-hmm. So as much as I can struggle with that, I'm probably ahead of the game when I compare myself to somebody like that. Right. Because they may never reach that point where they're actually asking that question. Because you can just get yourself caught up in that struggle in that game of like who's the fittest, fashionist, fashionist. More followers. Yeah, that's just a never-ending game. It's a never-ending power struggle. I would never cycle. want to play that. Yeah. That might be part of what I don't enjoy about the acting world as well. That you're putting on something that's not you. Yeah, and the thing is now it's more than ever there's this game as well with social media. There, you know, you have to put out this Twitter feed and this Instagram feed. There was a woman that I was in class with and I went for coffee with her two years ago. And she was saying, people don't know this, but because of this show, I am contractually obligated to, to update my Facebook feed constantly. So the best thing she could do was keep it 
to things that she was passionate about. I think she was very outdoorsy, um, very into nature. Um, but otherwise, she never would have been on social media. Right. Oh, that's interesting. It was just all promotion, more fo- promotion, promotion, promotion. And that's one of the things that I don't love and that really steers me away, I think, from pursuing an acting career is that you're never going to stop hustling. You're never going to stop selling yourself. You're never going to stop trying to convince somebody that you are sellable or that you are worthy of being sold or just all of these things that I don't think lead me closer to myself. It feels like they lead me farther away. Mm -hmm. Do you have a timeline then for when you'll stop? Is that a fair question? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I got to a point about a year and a half ago where I had been working at the same restaurant for three years. And I just felt like I was doing everything the same, kept doing the same things over and over again. So I quit on the spot, which I would never recommend to anybody because you should definitely, well, no, I had a two week, I gave my two weeks, but I didn't have anything else lined up. I was just kind of in this fuzzy phase of like, oh, you know, I finally put it out there. The universe will take care of me. Manifest that shit. (laughs) I don't really feel like it definitely, it just doesn't quite work that way, especially if you're really fuzzy on your idea of what it is that you want next. (laughs) Um, don't do that because from there I've just been kind of like, uh, going from experience to experience and certainly gaining knowledge from those things and enjoying that. But, um, yeah, I'd say now is the time that I'm kind of like, do I let that go? Because maybe I would feel a little better if I wasn't pursuing this thing. Now is in like 2018. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And the weird thing is the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't feel like I need to give my energy to that. The more I feel a little more empowered and creative, ironically. (laughs) You're also, I think that's interesting. Um, what if your like idea of yourself as an artist changed? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a thing too. Cause you mentioned writing as a kid. Mm hmm. Yeah, and like I have never had the urge to write anything since then. I've certainly felt the creative fizzle when I felt like I was. This is the thing. Pursuing acting has always felt like pursuing something outside of myself rather than whatever the opposite is. So maybe when I let go of that, I can just be free to do whatever the fuck I want. So what comes from that? Like, what will actually surface from that? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But you feel uh, excited by that, though? Like, you could go anywhere, do anything? I'm in the middle ground because I'm... I want to be excited by that, but then I'm also like, what, what the fuck? Shouldn't I have a life plan? Shouldn't I be like, I'm going back to school and doing this and doing this and doing this and, like... That way I can plan for my retirement and be ready. Have a 401k. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, because there is so much pressure from the outside world as well to just, you know, I've certainly heard it from my family. What are you going to do? Be a server all your life? What's wrong with that? There, there isn't anything wrong with it. I'm just physically declining. (laughs) Sure. I am physically declining and I keep thinking there's a job out there that won't do that to me in serving, but it's not true. I mean, then again, there are people who do serve forever. And it they seem a lot be... of freedom. Yeah. Financial yeah. freedom. Like freedom to just leave if they want to leave. Yeah. And I mean, people bitch about serving a lot, but there is that. It's yeah. just a matter of you're always going to be that person who has to beg to get your Easter weekend off or your Thanksgiving weekend off. Or... I don't mind working weekends because I actually don't like crowds. <laughs> I don't want to be at any events that have a lot of crowds. I'd rather be working. Yeah. Um, and then I can go to my coffee shop on like a Monday when nobody's there. I can go out for dinner on Tuesday when it's half price wine. Right. Right. But uh, there's definitely things about the restaurant lifestyle that I'm like, okay, I could do this if I understand what it is that I want to create with the rest of my life. So that's where I'm at. There's like, I want to be excited, but I'm also kind of in a hesitant phase right now sure you got your pilates instructor though yes do you think you'll ever go back to using like because you don't teach now do you no i kind of took it at the time and i was like mat work is really boring i don't want to do this 
Yeah. But at the same time, I took it because I had always been curious about it and I had always kind of liked it. Um, but I really, at the time, was trying to do the film stuff again. I think I was trying to send out stuff for that and get myself out to auditions. And I didn't see how I could balance that and serving and starting a new career in in fitness. Fitness, yeah. Because I would have had to practice so much. There was a lot of physiological stuff I needed to learn still and like creating a class all the time. While I, while I was supposed to be doing film stuff and sending that out I just didn't know how to balance it again it was that weird thing of like how can I make all of this fit right in my life and I think you have to choose which ones you want to time and energy is a finite resource it is it is and yeah I think there are some people who are better able to use it you for example me (laughs) I don't even know how you survived last summer I don't um non-stop go go but I think I've realized, yeah, and maybe that just, that's the thing too, is knowing how your own energy works and knowing how to use that well, because I wasn't great about doing that. Because then at least if you do that, you can put your energy into whatever it is you're pursuing for an hour or two and then leave it, right? Yeah. So I think that's the thing too, is like to really be an artist, you have to be great about doing that. And maybe there's a way to do it in a less pressured way where it's not like my career goal. It's just the thing that I do to make, make you happy, happy on right time. yeah yeah well on that note is it killing you is being an artist fucking killing you is it fucking killing you is it fucking killing you it was killing me it was killing me which is why now i'm in the place of like do i want to be an artist anymore right hmm. real questions that and that's a question people need to ask yeah yeah and not be scared of it yeah, yeah. i think that's a question people should ask once a year to be honest yeah. with you and really, really go deep into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was um, Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She has this book called Big Magic. And it was so great. I remember reading it a couple years ago and I, it said something like, if it's really killing you, I don't know what it was exactly her wording, but if it's killing you, if it, you know, if it's draining you, if it's taking all of your energy, your time, your resources, your money, and you're feeling that way. And it's not way, giving you anything. It might not be for you. And the other day I remember writing a list of all the things that I could have done when I wasn't, if I hadn't pursued acting in the last few years and I was like, Ooh, that's self-abuse. It is! Oh my God! That is (laughs) self-abuse! That's, that's a, That like gave me, ooh, just chills to the bone. Like saw one chills. Everybody, she went from laying on the couch to in a tiny (laughs) If I think about that as a downward spiral. Yeah. But if that's what I was thinking, then that says a lot about where I'm at, right? right? Yes. It's not that because I can't take back the time. I've learned a lot about myself and I've grown a lot, definitely. Um, can't take that time back. But if that's where my mindset is, maybe that tells me about where I need to be, about where I need to be moving forward. Right. About all those things that I wanted to do that I, I haven't done. It's kind of like, oh, well, interesting interesting that that's where my brain goes instead of like look at all the things that I've done but then maybe I'm just being a pessimist who knows who friggin knows I can overthink anything so (laughs) also you're still young yeah you can do whatever you want Uh, (laughs) you're still young (laughs) you're fine well it starts to not feel that way once you hit your like 30s and (laughs) then I'm like wow I've still been serving for a long time and I'm seeing people with their houses and their babies, which are not things that I ever wanted. But I'm also like, well, what have I Babies are overrated. They shit everywhere. It's fine. It's true. It's Nobody true. wants a fucking they baby. Also, everywhere. like, if you're going to buy a house, you would have to leave Toronto. So why do you want yeah. that house? Yeah. Yeah, Toronto's hard, though. It's tiring. But I also don't see myself anywhere else. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, I could go to London, live with my mom for a year. But then London is so hick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we get that. I just wish I could be in a quieter section of Toronto with... Yeah. You can move out to Roncesvalles. Yeah. Wait, how did you just say that? Roncesvalles? Did I say wrong? I don't really know. (laughs) It just sounded weird the first time you said it for some reason. I don't really know how you're set. You can move out here. You can move to Roncy. Maybe. (laughs) There you go. Something a little more chill. Perfect. Yeah. Um, On that note... 
Gal Pal Productions. Oh, do you, wait. Is there anything you want to plug? Oh, yeah. No, you're not a big social media person? Oh. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Um, I did take acting lessons for a long time at Louis Bomander's studio. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who's interested in film acting. He has a very unique perspective that comes from sort of how the brain works and how we think about things and how to get into the moment, not from the outside, but from what happens within you. That's, cool. Yeah. That sounds very esoteric, but it's very science-based and it's cool. It's a cool studio. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Go for so it. So we were here with Lindsay France- Francisco. <laughs> I almost, I almost messed it up. Lindsay Francisco, thank you so much. Ah, thank you. That was amazing. Thanks for being open and vulnerable and telling us about how you're feeling. Yeah, that was so nice. It felt more like a like a nice conversation than an interview. Yeah. Yay. Um, couple housekeeping. Yes. Oh. Go like our page on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. At GalPalProds. Um, also, please rate, review. Leave a poop emoji, leave a smiley emoji, leave whatever the fuck you want. Just please say something because it makes us more viewable. <laughs> yeah. Even also, if, even if you don't listen on iTunes, go rate us and review us on iTunes. Perfect. Because we know we have a lot more Spotify listeners than iTunes listeners. Right. Go to iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just leave a review. You don't even need to like spend any money or do whatever. Just, no. just leave a review. Also, our podcast is free. Yeah, come on. Exactly. <laughs> but if you do want to, we do have a Patreon account. Yes. And if you're looking for some premium after-hours content of Gal Pal Productions, check out our Patreon. You can donate just $5 a month. You'll get behind-the-scenes photos of our rehearsals, of our podcast, maybe even an extra podcast just for Patreon Yep, donators. We're thinking about it. Behind-the-scenes. Let us know. Special secret episodes. Right. Yeah. So go check us out on Patreon. Every little bit counts. Mm-hmm. This is completely funded by us, and like I really like wine, so please, please, <laughs> please go donate. That is a valid reason to donate. Yeah. You're helping an artist live her fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Anyway, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Lindsay. It's been nice to be, be here with you. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah.